Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? It's Thursday. It's one of the best days of the week. Ah, it's not the beginning of the week. It's the end of the week. We are still full of hope. Still have a little bit of energy. Hopefully. Why? We're focusing on mental health. You know, it's hard, even myself, someone who's been in the mental health field for almost two decades and does the work daily, I still have to remember to apply that to myself. You know, I work so hard helping other people remember to center and prioritize mental health that I forget myself. And so that's why I think it's humbling. I understand what it's like to be busy and live a complex, busy life and have to worry about bills and you know, physical health and and career and work things and family members and loved ones and I'm in a relationship and so much time and energy is required. And I'll tell you, it feel everything feels amplified, right? Everything that is normally maybe, I don't know, an energy level of six requires or feels like an eight. Anything that's, you know, a little depleting feels a lot depleting these days. So, uh, you know, we're being kind. But I'm with you all. It's hard some days. I just want to do what I say. I, I call it my um, couch burrito, where I just want to roll myself up in my blanket, right? Tight, laying on the couch, blocking out the world. I have those days. And that's part of really, again, prioritizing mental health is talking about those days and saying, it's okay. It's okay to have a day where you're hyper anxious or feeling a little low level or even a little depressed. Um, and we want to be tracking that to make sure it's not becoming something that needs a little clinical attention. You know, I'm offering therapy. Uh, a lot of therapists are as well. We're doing telemedicine. So if you think you need a little extra care and support, please reach out, get into some therapy. But um, otherwise, we're giving ourselves that peace. I, I'm constantly, it's almost like I want to just record it and play it over my phone because I say it so often. Uh, at least three times a day to friends or patients in my practice or more, I'm reminding them it's okay to just take some time and rest (laughs) because they're feeling bad. They're like, I wasn't productive today. I didn't get everything I wanted to do done. I didn't get my home workout in. And I'm like, it's okay. (laughs) Like I'm saying that to myself as I'm saying it to them, it's okay to just spend one of the days on the couch rolled up in your blanket. Like that is not a bad sign. We're tired. Some of us are tired to the depths of our souls, but Loveline is here. We're going to keep you entertained. We've got a great show planned. We're going to be talking about some things to not say to someone who's depressed. Yes, we have a lot of people in our lives who are struggling with mental health, and we want to make sure we're showing up in a very loving, supportive way, even though I'm recognizing and empathizing 
with how hard it is to be the friend or loved one of the person who's struggling with some mental health stuff. It's hard because again, we're going through our own stuff and the person we love is going through something and we have to attend to both, right? But we also have to do so in a way that has a little bit of a boundary. So we're not necessarily taking all of that in. It's hard. And then some of us are doing that with multiple people. I just had a couple days where I felt like everyone in my life was struggling and needing something on top of all the work I had to do, right? And that's just kind of where we're at right now. And I had to be open to being present as long and as far and to as many people as I could. But then there was a point where I had to do my own mental health work and set a boundary and turn my phone off and just not be available to everyone. Or I had to say to a friend, listen, it's been a really hard day. Um, is there anyone else you can reach out to? And, and luckily they were able to. And I said, yo, call me tomorrow. I care about you. I love you. Hit me up tomorrow. You know, and that's, we have, we have to be able to do that. We don't want to just deplete ourselves. It's not fair to us, but it's also not fair to them. And I'm also, as you heard in that, trying to remind myself to tell everyone that I love that I love them. I tell my friends and family members that all the time. I think it's a really beautiful expression. Um, it's really important for us to familiarize ourselves with saying that. And that might be the first time in a very long time that someone has heard that, right? We're talking about the loss of touch, but we're also talking about the love of things like that. Um, all right, let's talk about some stuff in the news. Look, we talked about these uh, China anal swabs. Yep, China is deploying anal swab tests to detect, to detect COVID-19 cases. Again, the comments on these posts are beyond better than the articles themselves, but that is a real thing. Um, <laughs> I don't see it taken off. Talked about it last week. I don't think that's going to become the rage, but hey. Um, also, just another reminder of the pandemic, up to 100 UK children a week, a week, 100 a week have been hospitalized with rare post-COVID disease. Yes, 75% of children worst affected by pediatric inflammatory multi-system syndrome. I know it's a mouthful, but that's just a reminder that like when people are like, oh, I'm not high risk. I'll be good if I get it. What? These kids, a hundred of them a week. It's lasting long. I'm telling y'all stay home. I'm telling you stay home. I have clients that have become infected and they're having week long symptoms that aren't necessarily dissipating. It's meaningful. Also, I want to just give a shout out to this organization. It's called a kid's book about a kid's book about. These are stunning. They have a kid's book about feminism, a kid's book about racism, a kid's book about money, a kid's book about empathy, a kid's book about anxiety. Not a paid endorsement, not familiar exactly with the books, but I like the idea more of these because a lot of families need to talk about these topics and they don't really know how to enter into them. And bringing in a book and reading from a book is a really beautiful way to start to normalize in our families. We can talk about money. We can talk about racism, right? We can talk about empathy and feelings with children because that's where it starts. That's where we normalize it. So, um, all right, so we got a great show planned. As I said, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. And uh, later we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in our Loveline IG page in the DMs. And uh, Loveline, people keep asking me where they can check out past episodes. Y'all know the drill over at wearechannelq.com. Just scroll down, see my little face, click on it, and they're all there. Maybe check out some other shows while you're there. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Uh, question of the night, as always, up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. Um, I'm very, I'm always thoughtful to not participate in gossip. I, I don't think that that's meaningful or reasonable. I don't think that we have a right to have information about people's lives. Uh, that's not journalism to me. Journalism is about reporting important information that we should have a right and have access to that impacts everyone. And the details of people, of people's private lives, especially celebrities, is just gossip. And um, 
I, I just won't propess, you know, pr- participate in that because we've all had experiences where gossip harmed us and uh, celebrities are humans too and they have a right to privacy. So um, uh, it's in the news, Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith, and it was talked about. I'm going to talk about this topically because I'm not a, you know, a, a celebrity gossip show. So I talk about things as topics. I use some things in the news as a springboard to talk about the mental health components of something. So we're not going to get into the specifics. So please don't email me telling me I got something wrong because again, I'm calling it out that this is more of a topic driven segment. I'm not interested in who said what. Now, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith was accused by a gentleman of having had a relationship while she was married to Will. Now they're finally talking about it and they're acknowledging that it did happen, but it happened while they're separated. And here's what I want to talk about. There was something that happened a few years ago, and this was with Anderson, Anderson Cooper. And he was known for having been in a long-term relationship with someone and photos came out of Anderson on a date and they were like, Oh, we caught him cheating, blah, blah, blah. There was also something about Justin Timberlake, I think having held hands with a co-star or something while on set. And my first thought was, first off, you're all assuming they're monogamous. And it turned out Anderson is not. Anderson Cooper was not in a monogamous relationship. He was in a healthy adult open relationship. Uh, Also supported by the fact that he travels a lot. And so he wasn't cheating. And first off, that's no one's business. I I don't, I, I don't support that being splashed across the news. That's not news. That's no one's business. Let him live his life in peace. And he was in an open relationship. So no one was doing anything bad or wrong. And that was my first thought when I saw this, maybe they're in an open relationship, but either way, it's not my business. You know, people have different configurations and styles. Um, and it turns out that they were starting to maybe date while they were separated. And so just hold space for the fact that that is something that can happen. And when Justin Timberlake came forward, he it, it broke my heart. He was apologizing publicly for the fact that he was, quote unquote, you know, engaging in inappropriate behavior. Justin, you don't owe us an apology. Live your life, boo. That's between you and whatever commitment you made to your wife or girlfriend. I don't know if he's married or not. But that is not for us to weigh in on. That is that is none of our collective business, you know? And it was really heartbreaking to, for, to, for me to watch him feel as though he had to apologize to the world. And I was thinking, instead release a statement saying, please stay out of my relationship and leave this to me and my wife to manage or to handle. And that was the same thing I was thinking about Jada and Will. Like, I don't know why this guy felt the need to go to news outlets and share that this had happened. Like, you want attention? Like, that's all that's in that. There's there's no justice brought forward by that. There's no healing brought forward by that. That's just a, a form of toxic call-out culture. And I even saw that with Leah Michelle from Glee. Apparently, there's a lot of reports of her being a heinous person to work with. That, okay, well then don't work with her or deal with it on set, but to come forward. And I saw this pile on, all these makeup artists coming forward saying, yeah, she was heinous. And it's like, did you really need to do that? Like, what were you trying to do by coming forward and piling on and just adding more fuel to that fire? You're not protecting anyone. You're not creating any change. Address it directly. Go to people that actually can create some healing or shift around that. But the publicization of problematic behavior that doesn't impact others just really bums me out. And so I think it's a call for us to be better. Like there's so much in this. One, hold space for the fact that maybe the individual is leading a lifestyle that doesn't make sense to you. And maybe some of these couples that you're seeing doing extracurricular things are in an open relationship. But even if they're not, they're not in your life and they're really not for you to get in on you know, and, and number, and number three or four, like don't pile on. That's not, and that's when we talk about toxic cancel culture, that's not doing anything. That's not helping anyone. You know, I'm all about having people have what we call one-to-one relationships. If you have an issue with someone, go directly and talk to them. That's how you actually create true shift and change. 
That's the compassionate, mentally healthy thing to do. And if you can't and someone's in a position of power, it's okay to have consequences. Consequences are okay. Often boundaries are need to be, be needing to be set. Often people in positions of power that do bad or toxic things need to be removed from their position of power. But it's not about the publicizing of it. You know, and I think that's what I'm taking issue with. Like it's not healthy that we live in a culture where people want to splatter articles and conversations about what's happening everywhere as though that does anything. It's just public shaming. And I, and I want us to be better than that. I'm watching people's careers get completely tanked, uh, having not harmed anyone, but maybe having disappointed, frustrated, or let people down. And we want to just be very thoughtful about that. Again, I'm all for consequences. So if a company is supporting Trump, by all means, don't put your money into their pockets that then go into Trump's pockets. So I'm all about people not supporting Chick-fil-A because they donate to anti-LGBT com- uh, organizations and they're pro-Trump. That's fine. That's consequences. But and we and we and we do want to talk about that. That is news. That is a macro level impact. But when an individual that you don't know or you're close to does something, either keep to yourself about it or approach them. Have a one-on-one conversation. Hey, I heard that you said or did this. This really let me down. This upset me. I I always welcome that. You know, I'll put things on my social media that people don't like. Let's critically or um let's critically and lovingly debate and discuss and unpack. But these blanket call outs and attempting to remove people from their careers is just not the way to go about it. So I know I'm kind of all over the place in this because I think that this is something that's very nuanced and very complex, but I, I, I do have an issue with gossip culture and I do have an issue with call out culture, but I am okay with consequences. I am okay with people being taken out of positions of power. Um, but we have to be able to talk about these different threads and these different nuances. And it's not always clean. It's not always clear. It's not always black and white, but I think that should be the question. How can I respond to this with compassion and care? How can I actually respond to this in a way that creates true change or healing? And what is the impact of, of the decisions or the choices I'm choosing to make around how to cope with this or sit with this? Because we're talking about people. And again, we can't just vote everyone off the planet if they upset us and let us down. And we just want to be thoughtful about gossip. I walk by these magazines and I just see the way they're t- we're talking about each other, about how someone's aging or they're gaining weight or losing weight. And it's just so heartbreaking that we've gotten so comfortable just publicly talking poorly about individuals. It's just not okay. And we all know it wouldn't feel good if it happened to us, you know? All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about sex and how it should be fun. Oh yeah. I'm reminding people all the time, where's the fun in life, but also in sex. And then we'll be sliding into those DMs. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. So go on our page and weigh in on that. And then later in the show, we'll be talking about mask anxiety. And mask, I mean M-A-S-K, not M-A-S-C. <laughs> it's part of our culture now, and uh, it's, it's something that shapes our psyche. You know, it's, it's, it's just interesting how during different cultural moments really shift our psychological experience. Um, but, okay, so as we talk all the time about things like self-care, and I'm saying, where's the joy? right? You know, have you had any joy in your day? It was your weekend full of any joy. Was there any fun? Was there any leisure? And, um, you know, I often think about people like my father who just worked so much that when he did have downtime, he didn't know what to do with himself. He didn't have a hobby. He didn't have any other interests or passions. And I saw the flatness and the depressiveness in that because he wasn't ever centering his life in joy. And I would say, 
have fun. When's the last time you had fun? And I know that I'll never allow my life to be like that, where I just work, 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 work. And my life just has no joy or fun in it. And so we often see that in sex too, though. We're such a goal-oriented, productive-based culture that we forget that the most beautiful, most important things in our lives actually have no goal and have no productivity tied to them. Love, relationship, joy, trust. That's what this, that's what life is about. Not what you're getting or what you're doing or what you have. It's about these experiences. And sex is one of those. Sex is an experience. Sex is supposed to be fun. I never advocate for anyone having sex they don't want to have or sex that's not fun. And I advocate for people to have sex that they want to have and the type of sex that is fun. That is the goal. But there's so many people that are having sex they don't want to have with people they don't want to have it anymore or they're being forced to limit certain parts of themselves or their sexuality or the use of their body. And that's not the point. And so doing couples and sex therapy and marital therapy, I'm often finding myself saying to couples when they're talking about their relationship, their marriage or their sex life, I go, gosh, that doesn't even sound fun. Why are you doing it? And they don't know. They do it because that's just what we've always done or that's just how we think it is. Or we've been trained to believe by our friends or our parents that, you know, it's not always great being in a relationship. It can be. It should be. Conflict, yes. Disagreements, yes. Times where it's difficult, sure. But it shouldn't make our worse, our lives worse off. It shouldn't be bad for us, toxic. It shouldn't limit us, deplete us, or exhaust us. That's not the point. That's when it's time to do some work on yourselves in the relationship. Or maybe it's time to exit. Or maybe it's time to make some recommitments, reprioritization shift things around, have those difficult conversations. But sex should be fun. So ask yourself, is it? And if not, why not? Is it me? Am I not speaking up? Am I not asking for the sex I want to have? Is it my partner? Do we need to talk? Am I limiting them? Am I limiting myself? What is that about? You know, we're so afraid to have those difficult conversations. I've worked with individuals where they've never shared with their partner, you know what, honey, for years now, I haven't been enjoying the sex we're having, or I've wanted to have new sex, different sex. I wanted to challenge ourselves. And that is heartbreaking. And we talk sometimes about the yes, no, maybe list, where I have clients make a list of all the things they want to do. And they talk to their partner about, is this something you'd be interested in? Would you be interested in doing, but maybe making some tweaks or changes? Or are some of these things a hard no? Is there a way maybe I could do that on my own without you? Is there a way that I can use this to kind of explore, change, and grow? Because, you know, that is an element that can lead to a, a, a renewed level of joy in our lives, um, energy in our relationships, but also just a sense of thriving in ourselves. It's, 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 like, it's like dessert. You know, here comes the food metaphor. You don't have to have dessert. Dessert's only purpose is to add a little more joy and pleasure to your life. But if it's not something you want or something that's going to make you feel good or doesn't taste good, you're allowed to pass on it or ask for something else. Sex is like that too. You don't have to have it, but it can bring joy in your life. It's a deeper, more powerful level to connect with someone. And, you know, it's part of that thing where I say to individuals, you know, if you're, if you're choosing a monogamous relationship, we are limited by our partner's limits. And the whole point isn't to create limits. We don't get into relationships to make someone else's life smaller, or we shouldn't anyway. Sex also shouldn't be like that. And we can't enter relationships with all these limits and then basically suck the joy out of it or suck the joy out of the sex life for our partner. That's not love. And if we're going to be monogamous, we have to be willing to be sexual. We have to be willing to go on that journey. Otherwise, that's not the right style or configuration for the two of us or the three of us or the four of us. Now that states like Massachusetts are recognizing domestic partnerships for people in relationships with more than one person, which I'm glad. People are poly. They have multiple primary ongoing relationships or a primary but some secondary and tertiary or they have a thruple, the three of them, or they have a primary but it's open and they have just sex with others. I mean, there's so many different designer relationships and we've talked about that 
that. We will continue to because it's something that's getting more normalized, especially in the generations behind us. But the whole point is, again, ask yourself, not just am I bringing joy into my life, but how about my sex life? How about my relationship? And if not, is that work for me to do? Or is that work I have to talk to my partner about doing? Or is that relational work? Where does that lie? What's holding me back? What's holding us back? Because often doing that work, having those difficult conversations with yourself and your partner lead to the ability to have those kinds of conversations in other domains around other topics. If we can tackle this, we can tackle a lot of things that are a little more anxiety inducing, a little more triggering. That's what's so beautiful about it. You're, you're working on just improved relational communication skills in general, deeper tolerance for more intimacy. It's a beautiful thing. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to slide into those DMs. So if you have a DM, you can go onto our Loveline IG page and drop it on us. Always here answering those. And uh, then we're going to be talking about mask anxiety. Welcome to 2020. That's really what I say when I see that. It's like <sighs> seeing all these designer masks, et cetera, et cetera. It's like it's just a part of our culture and our lives. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Slide into our DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This Valentine's Day, we aren't sliding into DMs, we're gliding into them. That's because Astroglide is here with a dozen different personal lubricants for whatever or whoever you want to get into this month. From self-love to an intimate night with your loved one, Astroglide can help you surpass your intimate expectations. Tonight's question says, hey, Dr. Chris, I was wondering if you had any advice or ideas <clears throat> about how to self-care on a budget. I'd love to treat myself to a staycation, but that's just not in the cards right now. So is there anything you do that maybe we can try? Thanks. Yes, self-care should cost no money. Let me just start there. Self-care should be, is all the free stuff. You do not need the candles, the lotions, the bubble bath, the whatever, the whatever, the whatever. Self-care is about taking care of ourselves. So I kind of collapse a bunch of things. First time, for, number one, self-care is most importantly rest. So the best form of self-care we can do is put our phone away for a few hours. Best form of self-care we can do is nap, lay on the couch, go for a quiet walk. Best nap care we can do is anything that's about resting. One of my favorite daily parts of my self-care routine is what I call music therapy, where I put on music, I go lay in my bed, I close the door, I lock out the world. Sometimes maybe... I'll burn candle or somehow add scent because one of the best forms of self-care is just tapping with all the senses, taste, sight, smell, and sound. But this one's really focused on sound. And I put on my big clunky headphones and I just zone out and listen to soothing music. And for those of us that love uh, cannabis, you know, smoke a little weed, pop a gummy for those where it's legal. And we just put on that music and we let it go through our bodies. It's one of the most profoundly healing things. It's my private time, my personal time. It blocks me out from the world. I, 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 I dissociate. I'm fully embodied. It is self-care. It is self-soothing. Uh, love it. Another one is masturbation. Solo sexuality is a beautiful form of self-soothing and coping. It's a beautiful way to get in our bodies. It's a beautiful way to bring us into self-care, but also add some pleasure so that's also a beautiful thing. Um, and then the other form of self-care that's always free is something that gives us joy and pleasure. Uh, money might be tight. Can you maybe afford the ice cream? Can you maybe bake yourself something nice? Um, a little a joy and pleasure is great. Uh, taking some time to read, maybe laying on the couch for a few hours watching that movie. 
Uh, what you know, just something that gives you joy and pleasure, and it, it has to lead to nothing. Sometimes it's not anything, but just say what would give me a little bit of joy and pleasure, and what would help me rest? What would be restful? Those are the best cheapest, easiest forms of self self care. And again, not these all keep swirling in like they all intersect. Another one, like I've said, is I put my phone down for hours, sometimes over the weekend for an entire day, I'm unavailable. I'm not an emergency crisis worker, I don't need to be available on the flyer on the hour. No, no one needs to reach me immediately. I can be unavailable for hours. And if you can too, put your phone in a drawer, I ritualistically put it on, my phone's always on silent. And I never answer phone calls. That's just a gold standard. But I put it in a drawer, and I move on for the day away from it. <laughs> go out into the world and run my errands, you know? So self-care should be free. If you're spending money, it could be part of self-care. I'll hold space for that. Maybe by purchasing a book or a candle, but it doesn't have to be. Just getting in the bath, like what I said, music therapy, masturbation, something gives us joy and pleasure, like eating a food or a candy or baking, all these things, just things that make you smile and feel rested are really what self-care is about or something that soothes you. Maybe a massage or self-massage, ask your partner if they can massage you or trade massages with someone, you know, again, someone who you're cohabitating with, because otherwise it's not COVID safe, but I'm talking also post COVID, um, taking a pet for a walk or taking time to play with your pet or taking time to just play with your child. I also think art is phenomenal. It doesn't have to look good because self-care isn't about productivity. Self-care isn't about something that's productive. Self-care isn't about how well did you do? Self-care is not about uh, making something you can sell. So adult coloring books, you don't even need coloring book. You can doodle, you can paint. You're doing it for joy and pleasure, for rest, for self-care. Throw it away when you're done. Gift it to someone, right? All of these different things are self-care. The best forms are always free. So there you have it. Um, all right, question of the night up on our Love on IG page in the stories. We don't necessarily do it every night, but you know, we always put one up and we get to it. We get to it. Also, DMs always open on our Love on IG page. Got a question? Got a concern? Drop it in there. And uh, you can check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, see my little face, bam. Oh, also I want to say about self-care, movement. We need to move every day. We need to move more. Whether it's a home workout, whether it's dancing, roller skating, hula hooping, jump roping, going for a walk, hiking, every single day, please move your body, get sunlight and fresh air. And uh, if your son is into nutrition and you have the finances and access to nutritious foods, that can help too. And uh, as always, getting tons of sleep. All that stuff is self-care, you know? All right, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and uh, we're going to talk about that pesky concept of multitasking. Uh, this comes up a lot recently, and that's why I'm kind of tapping into it every now and then. It gets brought up frequently where people really think that that should be an expectation on someone. You know, they employers will say that, oh, we're looking for someone who can handle multiple things at one time, and... I watch family members and loved ones trying to both, you know, attend to maybe a child and also a conversation or they're cooking dinner and they're listening. And I shared this before, but more and more we now know research shows that you cannot multitask. You cannot fully focus on two things at once. It's not possible. And we all know that if you've been trying to have a conversation with someone while they're doing something else, you can see them responding to the thing they're doing. Like, oh man, I can't believe I just spilled that. And you're like, okay, well, you're not able to focus on what you're doing and now you're feeling the spill while also holding space for what I'm saying. Our, our brains don't work that way, right? So even though society historically has really built in this idea that it's a, a, a more productive way, we know, again, multitasking is bad 
for productivity. It's bad, actually. It's horrible. Find people that don't multitask. In fact, request it. Say hi. You know, we're looking for people that will focus and complete one thing at a time uh, because it's also bad for your mental health. And again, mental health has to matter more than uh, job requirements. It has to. And I'm really, really trying to advocate for employers to understand that, for teachers to understand that, that our mental health has to come first. It's There's no worth in running people into the ground um, in service of whatever outcome output they can do, right? So again, that's the gold standard has to change. It's just a myth. Um, and neurology proves that all the time. So even though we put a lot of attention into that, um, the, the studies show that less than 2% maybe have the ability to juggle two tasks or more at once without a drop in performance. So it's really, really that very much an outlier, someone who can truly have uh, directed attention on two different objects at one time. Um, because again, remember, like when we're multitasking, what we're really talking about is the ability to switch between two tasks at once. And we can't do two things at the same time, as I said. And so even though we'll have this, you know, enhanced sense of uh, super productivity or, <clears throat> excuse me, this enhanced sense of, wow, I'm getting a lot done, what we're actually, actually truly doing is we're preventing ourselves from focusing on any one of them deeply. And actually what you're doing when you're multitasking is really we're keeping ourselves distracted. So when someone says, oh, I'm, I'm multitasking, it's no, you're actually super distracted because the transition back and forth becomes a distraction. One distracts from the other and then the other distracts from the other. We're never ever really present with either, right? So when you're trying to multitask, again, we need to move back to focus and that's one thing at a time. Um, so you know, we have to reorient our, our, our thinking around that. And it comes up with couples where, uh, and we've talked about this before, where I'll say, you know, listen, feel, feel free to request from a partner, hey, if we're in the middle of a conversation, you say present to that. And if your phone rings, you let it ring. Because very rarely do are we on call waiting for an emergency to come in. And that phone call or that text message usually can wait the five more minutes for this conversation to complete or even an hour. But yet we'll grab at it. And what we're saying is this is more important. And we don't want to do that to our partners or our family members. Interrupt them being present with us, sharing their day, trying to connect, build intimacy by saying, oh, this, this email, the email who I don't even know who it's from because all I heard was a ding, that means more to me. The possibility of who that might be means more to me. It's a horrible message. So I always advocate for one thing at a time. And I've said this before, if a human being is talking to me and they try to do something else, you will hear me say, I'll wait. I will not keep talking while someone's doing something else. I won't. And that's frustrating for people because A, they're not used to people setting boundaries. B, they're not used to someone acting from their self-esteem, but also because we're used to people just falling in line and allowing it. I also said that to people's own mental health where I'll say, if you're watching a movie, watch the movie. And if you need to be on your phone, pause the movie and look at your phone. And when you're done with your phone time, put it down and play the movie again. We have to really start to practice one thing at a time. But again, more importantly, you know, Intimacy is built with time together and eye contact, and, and we should expect and demand that, especially when we're with our loved ones, right, where, where we should be the priority. Um, everything else should be secondary. And I've said this. I, it was really hard work for me where I'll often be done with my phone for the night, where at 7 or 8 o'clock at night, I put my phone away, and I'm done for the night. And if there's someone I want to communicate with, I reach out to them. You know, but there's a certain time where I get, I go offline. I'm not reachable anymore, you know, and, and that's because I have the kind of career where there isn't emergencies. I'm not an ER doctor on call. And most of us also are not. And so for most of us, it is very reasonable at a certain time at night to go unavailable. Remember, there was a time 
when someone wanted to reach you, they had to call the, call you on your landline. And often that was off the hook because it was dinner time or someone else was on it. But yeah, remember back in the day during dinner time, we took the phone off the hook. I remember my mom took it off the hook for the rest of the night. We just weren't reachable. But now that we have email and text messaging, people have no problem interjecting themselves at any time. But we have a right to set a boundary and push back on that for both our mental health, but also for the sake of our relationships and other priorities. And multitasking also exhausts us. That's why people feel so tired after trying to do a lot. You know, because if you want to get truly neurological, it actually uses up oxygen, oxygenated glucose in the brain, and we need that to focus. So it gets depleted, it gets burnt out and exhausted. So we, it's not even a matter of ability as much as we are not wired to be able to, and we can't necessarily be bigger or better than our actual evolution and anatomical capacities, you know? So again, let me throw a stat at you. Research has shown that the kind of switch tasking, right, which is what we're doing, can lead to at least 40 to 60% of decrease in productivity because that transition time back and forth, actually you lose focus, you know? And we all know that. You know, when you really zero in on something, it, it goes far better and far more is accomplished. So anyway, examine areas of your life where you're trying to multitask and where you shouldn't. Examine areas of your life when you're prioritizing, you know, this potential text message coming in from you don't even know who. Anywho, coming up next question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that. That is on our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back, and a really important topic we're going to talk about. We're going to spend uh, essentially the rest of the show talking about this. So, you know, we're always talking about normalizing mental health, right? You guys have heard that over and over and over. Had a really, really powerful week, but day as well clinically, talking with individuals, trying to do that. It's something I've challenged everyone I work with, friends as well, family members, but clients in my practice to start talking to all the people in their lives about mental health, normalizing it. And I'm so proud of so many of them. I work with a lot of celebrities and public figures as well, and I've really advocated for them to step into the work and to become activistic and use their own platforms to talk about their own mental health struggles and normalize reaching out for help and to even reference being in therapy. I want everyone to be able to confidently talk about that. I live in California where everyone talks openly about their therapists and their therapy. It's beautiful. I don't know how the East Coast is with that, but you know, over a decade ago when I lived on the East Coast, it was something that we still were hush-hush about. Even in recovery, we're here on, in LA and California, people openly talk about being in AA or drug and alcohol recovery. So I want that to be normalized. That doesn't speak to anyone's competence. In fact, someone discussing being in therapy or you know in sobriety is a sign of competence and consciousness. They're working on themselves, they're aware. Most of us will move through the world, never really getting into therapy or being self-reflective or really doing the work um, or even examining and maybe getting better and healthier coping skills and mechanisms. But you know, as we step into having more normalized and ongoing conversations about mental health, we also have to know <clears throat> how to talk better about mental health, right? It's not just about getting the conversation going and normalizing, hearing about it and talking about it. Although that is the first step and one of the more powerful entry points, what next? right? What do we do when someone says, I will tell you about my mental health, right? So we're going to be focusing right now, you know, mainly on depression, but a lot of these ideals will extend to various forms of mental issues, struggles. And just know that your, your job is not to try to be a therapist. And that's what's beautiful, right? Your job is just to create, as we say, a safe space or safe container. Some will say holding space with someone. And that just means you're present. That's the first thing I want to remind everyone. It's just about being present. Your, your presence is healing enough. It's like when someone says, my friend's struggling or I'm going to see a friend in the hospital. What do I say? But what do I say? And I say, just be there. 
Nothing needs to be said. There's nothing you can necessarily heal, but your presence is huge as humans. We need others and we, we really deny that, but we need others. We, our mental health is dependent upon the presence of others and having someone there or go through something with you does make it easier. It does empower us. We are more empowered and better because we have someone in our corner standing beside us, even without them saying or doing anything. We just need someone to be in it with us, to hold space, to create a safe container to process. Just having someone witness. And that's sometimes the most powerful therapy. I'm not even saying much. I'm just present, right? They're able to be their true selves in front of someone that's not judging. And that's so empowering and that's so healing. Someone looking at them and saying, it's okay, whatever you're about to say, you are good as you are showing me your broken parts, right? Your wounded parts, the parts of yourself that other people aren't open to hearing or seeing, you know? So stunning, but just know that. It's just about the presence, that's the initial piece. But there are some things you wanna make sure that you don't say or you don't do, right? So we don't always wanna try to fix everything. I know we think that when someone comes to us and they're sad or they're struggling or depressed or anxious, that our job is to make it better and cheer them up. But sometimes things aren't gonna get better and sometimes, things won't improve. And, and we know that, and you know that, and they know that. And we don't, we don't wanna give them false ideas. And when you try to cheer someone up, sometimes it's a way to illegitimize what's going on with them, right? We just want them to feel better because maybe we're anxious sitting in it with them, or it makes us feel better knowing that they're doing well, but sometimes they aren't and they won't be for a while. And false positivity, it really just communicates to them, we're gonna stop now, this is too much, how you feel is not okay, versus just letting them process. So saying things like cheer up or my least favorite, think positive or snap out of it. It's toxic positivity and that actually can shame things and thereby making it worse, right? They're already feeling bad and now you've had shame saying you shouldn't feel that way. So think positive. And I get so frustrated with all these wellness influencers that are all about positive thinking. It's a denial of what's true. It's okay to be sad. It's inherently saying that some emotions are bad or wrong and we should get away from them as immediately as possible. That's very American to take a pill or to fix it right away. It is okay to be sitting in our wounds. In fact, we need to. I don't want us to jump right out of it. Again, that's bypassing the work. There is beautiful transformation and there is realization in us going deeper into our quote unquote negative feelings. I work with people in learning how to be present in their depression. Therapy isn't about removing depression. Some of it is. I think that that's bad therapy. Good therapy is about what is the depression telling us? How can we get more comfortable and familiar with it? Let's learn to go in. The only way through is to go in. The only way out of it is to go through, right? We have to drop into those dark, scary parts, our shadows, the parts of us we don't feel comfortable in, to, ver- to learn, to transform, because that's part of life. And we have to learn how to have that as a companion. So instead of saying, cheer up, get over it, let it go, smile, we empathize right? We can normalize and be more present by empathizing, feeling it in our own bodies, sitting in it longer, letting them know that it's okay what they're thinking and feeling because we don't want to invalidate. And that's what can happen, right? Again, in trying to make them feel better, we'll say it's all in your head or some people have it worse. Again, all these forms of shame and denial, but instead we want to let them know that it's not their fault, right? And I want to get uh, this idea of like getting treatment, medication or therapy. Yeah, it's okay to want it to decrease. It's okay to want to shave down some of the sharp edges. It's okay to want to be a little more functional and grounded while 
going through. And that's what therapy medication can provide. Not the removal, because no matter what meds you take, you will still feel anxiety and depression at times because that's part of being human. The goal is not to never feel those things. Hear that. The goal is not to never feel those things. The goal is to have it maybe decreased, less severity, less amplified, to be more functional while it's occurring. That's the goal. And that's why when we're talking to people or getting into therapy, we're trying to learn some resilience around it or to lessen the fear. We have to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue talking about, although we're normalizing mental health, how do we encounter it? Because we want to make sure it's feeling productive. We don't want to add layers by shaming and adding guilt to what is already a difficult moment. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about that. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about how we're trying to normalize and get people to feel comfortable open up and about, uh, excuse me, <laughs> we're trying to get people familiar and comfortable opening up and talk about mental health, but what next, right? What do we do once they begin to do that? What do we do when we get overwhelmed? And we're talking about how we don't want to try to just fix and make people feel better because that's not honest. And we need to learn, we have to learn how to sit in and sit with these feelings. We can't keep reinforcing that. Anytime you feel bad, your goal is to get rid of it and to feel good. That's not honest. Mental health is feeling a full range of human emotions, even the negative ones, and being able to drop in and feel them fully. Mental health is not about feeling great or always being happy and smiling. Mental health is the ability to feel all of our feelings. So when someone's saying, I'm depressed and I wanna talk about it, that is mental health. Mental health is not the absence of struggles. So when someone's coming to you, it's not about cheering them up and fixing it. It's about creating space and holding, removing whatever guilt and shame they have about the fact that they're feeling these things are struggling, right? Because the world doesn't do that. People don't even feel like they can call off of work for feeling sad, depressed, or anxious. That is us living in a world that does not honor or value mental health. We need to be able to call into work. We need to be able to cancel an appointment. We need to be able to tell a friend we cannot, we cannot attend their wedding or their birthday because we are going through deep depression or anxiety and we need to stay home and do self-care and take care of ourselves. I wanna live in that world. Because again, we normalize physical health. If you said, my leg fell off, I broke my leg, everyone's like, oh, I get it, you can't go to the wedding. Why do they not honor mental health feelings? Instead, they'd say, get over it, suck it up. That is not being mental health centered. We, we have to start rejecting that. That's not okay. That's not acceptable. That also makes things worse, right? So again, we're letting people know that these are, these are healthy parts of life. This is a healthy part of human experience. Treatment can help us learn how to carry it with us. Good therapy is about learning how to go into it and not be afraid of it. Good therapy is learning how to maybe water down and not let it be amplified. But again, there's a lot of reasons why mental health issues emerge. It's not all biological. In fact, most of it is not a disorder or a brain disease or a brain thing. Most of it is contextualized. People that are gay inherently will carry depression and anxiety because of our homophobic culture, right? People that are black or of color, understandably due to racism and white supremacy will have inherently some anxiety and depression because of the world they're forced to live within. People that are struggling to learn how to deal with their larger bodies and are working on eating disorders, some of that is born out of our culture, which normalizes one certain kind of body and doesn't value others. So a lot of the work is social that's internalized. It is not a genetic or brain or disease thing, okay? And so we have to look at the context to help people understand why is this? Why, why I'm feeling bad or broken when in fact it's the world. The world is bad and broken and I'm trying to do my best to participate and exist in a world that is messed up. And that's what some depression is, really realizing how problematic our world is. Someone is not able to get their basic needs met. You know, part of mental health care, part of good health care and mental health care is people living in a safe environment, people having their financial needs met, people having access to good food, you know, people having health care. 
Like that is part of how we tackle mental health. It shouldn't just be on the individual to deal with their depression or anxiety or whatever it is. We have to also start working on how's the world contributing and creating. But the other thing is we want to make sure we're also following up, right? These can be ongoing and reoccurring things. And when someone brings you into their mental health world, maybe you want to be a friend that circles back, right? We don't want people to feel left alone. So that's why I follow up and I'll say to a friend, how have you been? Remember we spoke last week? What's going on with that now? Do you need more time with me, right? Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes when someone's struggling with mental health issues and we're talking about it, it is healthy to sometimes say, I'm with you in that. Would it also feel good to maybe go do something while honoring what you're going through, but also gives us a little joy and pleasure and helps us distract for some time? Because sometimes people need us to help usher them into moments away from it. That's not denying or minimizing, but it's acknowledging that it's okay to take time away. We talk about that with the pandemic. You know, we're not dishonoring all that's going on negatively with the pandemic when we also say, I'm going to turn the TV off for an hour and I'm going to just play a game and eat ice cream and laugh and have a moment. We, we are allowed to have both. And I think when some people are depressed or anxious or struggling with mental health, they think that it's to dishonor that, to tap into some other emotions that can be co-occurring at the same time. You know, we have to really say, are we bypassing and denying or are we just allowing healthy distraction, which is necessary for all of us so that we're not ruminating and everything. Cause that's not good to just be ruminating, right? It's okay to take time away. It's okay to be distracted. It's okay to still find joy and pleasure in those difficult times, you know? Um, <clears throat> but again, we want to remove that shame and that's part of it and how we show up. We want to be empowering, not shame reducing, you know? So it's okay to listen without judgment. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to check in and follow up. We, we need to do that. We are better off when we have someone in something with us for a multitude of reasons. We, we shouldn't try to go things alone. And we, we need to have people in our lives that make us not feel like a burden when we reach out about these pieces, right? Because again, that, re that reinstills not just the shame and the guilt, but also then maybe some isolation and some loneliness. And we're all gonna be going through these things at some point and we wanna have those resources. So it's like start building those friendships now Start creating. We can recreate that. If we have a friend where we don't feel like we ever have been able or would be able to talk about these things, you can start to get there. You know, relationships are malleable and plastic. We can say, hey, let's be the kinds of friends that talk differently. You know, let's start talking about our mental health. Maybe when we hang out once a week, let's check in on that, right? Make, you know, make it, make it more of a different kind of mental health center dynamic socially. All right, y'all. Um, coming up next, some DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Slide into our DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This Valentine's Day, we aren't sliding into DMs, we're gliding into them. That's because Astroglide is here with a dozen different personal lubricants for whatever or whoever you want to get into this month. From self-love to an intimate night with your loved one, Astroglide can help you surpass your intimate expectations. Tonight's question says, excuse me. Hey, Dr. Chris, my girlfriend, Emily, just got a new job and keeps talking about how great her coworkers are, how funny they are and all that. Congrats, Emily. I hope you are so happy for her because when we care about someone or love someone, we're happy when they're happy. So that's great. You should be smiling. She goes to work while I stay home because I was furloughed due to the pandemic. Oh, well, good for her that she gets to work when not all of us do. So again, hope we're celebrating that. I'm grateful that she's able to pull most of the financial weight during this time. That's great. However, that's all she talks about now. Yeah, she must be really proud of herself. She's out there working in a difficult time. Good on her. The job, her new coworkers, it's a lot. Why is it a lot? Why can't you hold someone else's joy? Why can't her joy be your joy? Why can't 
you be glad that she's not going through what you're going through, which is sitting at home feeling isolated, you know? Um, I don't want to burst her bubble. Good, don't. <laughs> but when she talks about it, I feel embarrassed because of my current situation. I feel bad, helpless, a lot of emotions. I don't want to make her feel bad either, but it's really hard to hear all this. Should I tell her how I'm feeling? Yeah. I mean, again, here's the thing. You can tell her how you're feeling, but not, not done in the guise of, I want you to not tell me your joys and successes. I want you to learn how to tolerate that. She's not doing it in a manipulative way. She's not doing it to be unkind. I want her to fully occupy and embrace all that's going on with her. I guess she's assuming that you can handle that. So you can lovingly share with her, I'm so excited for you. I'm glad you're not struggling with what I'm struggling with. Go out there and live safely with a mask. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we're not going to get into the risks of all that. But um, they consider, you know, and sometimes it's really hard because I realize that I don't have that. And I realize that my days are different. And I'd hope she'd say, yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. Thank you for being able to celebrate what I'm going through. I wouldn't want her to have to come home and meet you where you're at and somehow drop down into a non-joyous mood. She's happy. Try to raise up and meet her there. But your job is to find something meaningful and purposeful to do with your time. I think that's what I really want to focus on is what are you doing with your day and time? Even if we're not working, quote unquote, we can still find something meaningful and purposeful. Set a routine. Get up at the same time every day. Get up when she gets up and go for a walk, get some fresh air and sunlight, and then come home and move your body for a while. And then maybe get into an art practice, read a book, maybe take some courses online or engage in some of that free stuff. A lot of museums are offering free virtual tours and then clean for a little bit and then joyously lay on the couch and nap for a few hours and then get up and maybe job hunt and maybe quit that job. There, there are places that are hiring. I mean, do something meaningful and purposeful with your time. That's what this is really calling for is I want to have joy in my life too. I don't want to take hers away. I don't want her to drop down her excitement because I'm not excited, right? You're allowed to express how you feel, but it's also a call to action for you. You're be inspired by what she's doing. Do something meaningful with your time. So when she comes home, your time has been meaningfully, meaningfully used or settle into just using all your time as self-care and find joy in that. But I don't want her to feel guilt or shame about being successful because um, you wouldn't want her to do that to you. And so it's okay if you don't feel great, but really work on trying to change that jealousy to envy. You know what I mean? Like I want her to have what she has. I wish I had that too. I don't need to live in that. It's not a comparison. I understand that her gain could highlight your lack, but that means you have work to do because I don't want her to withhold that because that doesn't change how you feel. That just means you don't have to really acknowledge it as openly, but you're still going to feel however you feel about your day and your time, even if she comes home and is silent. And so you need to say, I need to find worth and value in my day. As humans, we will not be happy if we don't have our day centered in, in something that gives us worth and value and meaning. And for some of us, our career and job does, and for others, it doesn't. We have to find other ways to do it. Because you going back to work, if you're no longer furloughed, doesn't mean that now your day has purpose and meaning, and it still might be hard for you to hear her celebrate how much she loves her new job if you don't love yours, right? And so again, the work isn't watering down other people's joy. It's about us finding our own. That's what this is about. And I know you can do that. I'm watching a lot of people do that. And if not, that's okay too. So you have work to do. I want you to be able to sit there and be present and hold space for her excitement and say, it's hard to hear that. And I'm excited for you. Thank you for sharing that with me. I will struggle with my feelings, right? All right, y'all. That is our show. We'll be back on Monday. So you'll have a great weekend focusing on what? Self-care, joy, pleasure, and also tons of rest. There's no such thing as laziness. We're allowed to spend as much time as we need resting and healing. Our worth is not tied to us being productive. Our worth is not tied to what we create in the world, right? We have inherent worth. And if you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, 
You can go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, see my face, click on it. There they are. And uh, question night, as always, is up on our Love on IG page in the stories. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night.